This is The Guardian. Michael Sun, one of the hosts of Saved for Later, Guardian Australia's podcast about the internet. And I'm Laura Mafiotes from Guardian Australia's Full Story podcast, our daily news podcast. Look, I know we said last week that it was the last episode of Save for Later this year, but we lied. Today we have a very special bonus episode for you. It's a full story and saved for later crossover episode. It's a crossover, people. It's a crossover. It's the most ambitious crossover event in history. (laughs) It is very sad that Alex cannot join us, though. She is on leave, but I will be attempting to fill in her shoes. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. So, on Full Story this week, we have been looking back at 2021 and some of the best and worst moments in science and in sport. And now, today, we are looking at the internet. So, of course, I did need you, Guardian Australia's resident internet expert, Michael Sun. I have been poring over the internet all year. I've seen things that you wouldn't believe, Laura. And on the internet, Laura, one man's trash is very much another man's treasure. Definitely take all these with a grain of salt because I feel like some of my best ones are just ones where I feel the most dragged by the internet. Um, and I love being dragged by the internet. Um, <laughs> The best and worst lists are completely interchangeable depending on the perspective that you bring to them. Exactly. And sometimes they are even both the best and the worst. (laughs) Okay, so uh, it was a very big year for the internet, uh, as you mentioned. So I think let's start with the light and then go to the dark. What were the best things on the internet in 2021, Michael? This has been a big year for shitposting. So when I say shitposting... Long-time Save for Later listeners will know what this is, um, but for the internet masses, shitposting is basically this style of meme posting slash format, which is extremely absurd, which is kind of hallmarked by non-sequiturs and anti-humor and just like deep divey rabbit hole style jokes. Mm. We saw quite a rise last year as well as everyone was in lockdown and just like spiraling about our existential woes and coming up with these like absurd ways to get over it. And it's reached like an all-time high this year. Yeah, the pandemic has really made everyone um, creative in the most dark and disturbing ways. Dark and disturbing is exactly how I would describe this style. A prime example, I guess, of like this kind of mainstreaming of shit posting is the extremely absurd comedy trio, Please Don't Destroy. Yeah, I feel like I've seen people share their clips from Saturday Night Live a lot this year, but I don't really know much about their life and history before reaching that kind of level of fame. They are literally just like three wholesome boys from New York City who um, were making these really 
absurdly funny online sketches that kept going viral and kept going viral and now they're in the SNL Hall of Fame. And they had an incredibly, incredibly viral sketch that is colloquially called the Dumbreka sketch. What is this sketch? Guess what? I got vaccinated! Yes, dude! Basically, (laughs) the conceit of this skit is that one of them has had the quote-unquote vaccine, except slowly over the course of of the skit, it becomes evident that the vaccine they've had is this black market Russian variety. Sick, what'd you get? The uh, Moderna or the Pfizer? Oh, I think it was the Dumbreka, but um, yeah, man, it's dope. The summer's gonna be sick. Wait, what did you say? Dumbreka, um, and then <laughs> and then they start like vomiting out like black liquid, all this stuff that starts happening to their bodies. I can tell it's working already. My eyes are super blurry. Oh my blurry. god, Dumbreka, that sounds evil. No, come on. I just feel healthy, man. I've been expelling a ton of black bile. That's not healthy. Yeah. Dumbreka, that's how they were saying. Dumbreka, Dumbreka. That's yeah. not good. They man. put me under for the whole thing, and it only took a couple hours. A couple what? Hours? At its most base level, I guess it's like a anti-vaxxer satire. Mm. It sounds like the plot of several of them that I've seen. I mean, one of them, it's just that everyone's got weird um, plastic surgery throughout the year. Mm-hmm. One of them's gotten their fingers extended and then yep. another guy turns around and his chin is like three times as long. <laughs> They're just so bizarre and escalating all throughout, basically, yeah. They are the kings of yes and, I feel. Like, <laughs> it's it's very much that classic improv thing where it's like, yes and, yes mm-hmm. and, yes mm-hmm. and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and like more and more bizarre. And I feel like it perfectly encapsulates what using the internet is like in the year of our Lord 2021. I feel like they brought shitposting to this enormous platform like SNL, you know, it's kind of international. Mm. People are seeing their skits around the world. But shitposting really, uh, on its essence, is supposed to be on the internet, right? It is. It is. And we've seen this particularly flourish on Instagram this past year. Um, The New York Times, Taylor Lorenz wrote an article um, about how Gen Z in particular is using shitposting um, in the format where they will post literal just like text posts on Instagram. So they'll Mm. like screenshot an Instagram story or like screenshot text on like another app and it'll be really absurd random text. But my particular favorite one is this Australian account, um, which is presenting this hyper-localized version of shitposting. It's an account called Insane Clown Pussy. (laughs) (laughs) I've always wondered how to say that out loud. I'm so glad that you're clarifying this for me. Anyway, explain this account. Insane Clown Pussy is an extremely niche Australian slash Sydney account, um, which posts a lot of memes particularly targeted towards, I would say, like 20-something inner West, inner Sydney millennials who think they're the bomb.com, uh, but in reality, they're actually just like very cliche gentrifiers. I think that's the kind of tone of the account. Mm. Um, one of my favourite ones recently um, was a real personal attack against everyone who works at The Guardian. Um, <laughs> there's <laughs> there's a screenshot of a text message saying, going to go past P&V, which is a very fancy bottle shop on the way. Oh yeah, live around grab- the corner all this past year. <laughs> <laughs> Want me to grab your bottle of pet nat? And it's and it becomes an acrostic poem um, where it's like P, passion pop for 20 to 30-year-old bisexual creatives. E, every <laughs> every little sip fueling gentrification and alt girl bossification. T, this is the perfect time to bring up my parents' divorce, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I can't like, with this. This is too painful. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like an example of this, I went and had a look, only a short scroll down 
got me real hard with a post which says, catch me at kick-ons putting linger by the cranberries on repeat and loudly telling everyone about my body image issues. And then the caption underneath it is like, tag your friend who hates ruining a party. <laughs> it's me every time. <laughs> but hey, this isn't the only type of shitposting account we've seen. We've, we've also seen a lot of accounts um, that you're also a fan of, Laura, um, which riff on the classic affirmations with three mm. Fs style kind of post. I would say these are like the most common ones that I've seen over the past year. And for people who haven't seen them, they're kind of styled like a series of inspirational affirmation posters. Imagine like, you know, you've got the cat poster saying, hang in there. It's the internet's version of that. (laughs) It's this generation's version of the cat poster. But uh, a lot of them aren't actually inspirational. They're just dunking on, you know, certain locations, certain people, certain stereotypes. The ones that I followed this year were Newtown affirmations because I was living in Newtown for most of the year, but also Central Coast affirmations as an original Central Coaster. And they're just so niche, the posts. You know, there's one that's like uh, a picture of the many, many lakes that you have on the Central Coast saying, I won't get <laughs> pelican itch from the lake, which is a literal experience from my childhood of jumping into the lake and breaking out into a rash. But they're all just massive dunks on these um, Central Coast restaurants, Central Coast beaches, anything like that. But I actually found out a kind of beautiful way of sharing a little bit in lockdown this year mm. because, you know, I had a lot of friends from the Central Coast posting them and we'd be like, oh, remember Mingara Whirlpool? Like, how weird was that? And we're all locked in our homes for three months. And you just kind of share your weirdest stories about Mingara Whirlpool. And Pelican Itch, apparently. People shitting in the Mingara Whirlpool. Beautiful stories came out of this. Exactly. And I think we're almost seeing a return to the earlier internet forms of very local community sharing. I almost see this operating as kind of like community notice boards Mm. almost. Um, And I was talking to our culture editor at The Guardian, Steph Harmon, and she very quickly pointed out that it kind of mirrors what BuzzFeed was doing really early on into their model, where they would post really hyper-local things, like, you know, like 15 things you'll only understand if you grew up behind the Maccas in Annandale. Totally, yeah. (laughs) Their founder had this like whole social theory about like, that's the kind of content which actually does the best because it's so hyper-specific that everyone thinks that, like, it's targeted to them specifically. It's like, I'm so in on the joke. Okay, so, Michael, other than posting, what else was one of your favourite things on the internet in 2021? This is also a very nostalgic form of content. I'm talking, of course, about, like, remix slash mashup culture. We're really seeing a return to that almost. Do you remember how, like, in the early 2010s, this was all the rage? We had DJ Earworm blowing up YouTube. Mm. We had, I feel like this was, like, a major plot point in so many sitcoms where it's, like, some character would say a dumb line and then suddenly it would become, like, a techno remix um, overnight. Yeah, like the Kimmy Schmidt remix, basically. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. The first sign. I noticed was um, this remix went viral on Twitter, which was a mashup of um, Cocteau Twins and Nicki Minaj. <laughs> Who are the Cocteau Twins? The Cocteau Twins were this Scottish alt-rock, I would almost say like very shoegazy Mm. band um, from the 80s and 90s who were very known for their like melancholy, sparkling instrumentation and completely unintelligible (laughs) lyrics. Um, And Nicki Minaj, of course, is a famous rapper. Um, And the mashup just sounds so weirdly divine. Like it sounds so good. Um, And then, of course... Squid Game took over the entire world in September. Um, we had the iconic song from Squid Game with the murderous doll singing the Korean childhood song. 
An incredible Jersey Club remix came out from that. And then this is something that I really want to highlight to you because I think this was actually one of my favourite internet moments of the year was when Phantom of the Opera reopened in New York City and Andrew Lloyd Webber performed a DJ set where he played an electro remix of Who Let the Dogs Out. Andrew Lloyd Webber, the famous theatre man, DJing an electro remix of Who Let the Dogs Out while Countess Luann of Real Housewives fame um, stands next to him and, like, Instagram stories the entire set. I'm trying to think of, like, an Australian context for this. Is it kind of like Albo DJing while Flex kind of Instagram stories the DJ set? Absolutely. Um, although, no shade to Albo, I will say I've been to his DJ sets and he does just play songs. This was like Andrew Lloyd Webber properly getting on the decks, having a little like, wicka wicka, like spin. <laughs> Everything in that sentence, um, I feel like is crazier than the last. <laughs> so, Michael, there is a subgenre of remixes that has been in my life a lot. It's probably my main interaction with this whole remix fad, I would say. But I can't decide whether this sits on the good or worst or cursed list of the internet for 2021. It is Ozpol remixes. Have you come across these? I have definitely come across the famous Gladys remix. Yeah. The one that caught my attention first was in 2020 with the Catherine Hasn't Had a Question remix. It's from this press conference where Morrison is berating Andrew Probin, ABC's political correspondent, asking too many questions and points out, importantly, that Guardian Australia's political editor, Catherine Murphy, has not had a question. Catherine hasn't had a question. I'm happy to return to you, but let's just keep it civil. And like all millennials, I had to wait for this to migrate off TikTok, this trend, and then find its way on Instagram Mm -hmm. to find it. But it's a whole genre of just bangers, but also comedians doing lip syncs of press conferences. That is just such a hallmark of our time. Catherine hasn't had a question. I'm happy to return to you, but let's just keep it civil. Andrew. Catherine. You know, we've got so many press conferences that rule our everyday life over the past two years and just having a comedian kind of lip sync and create a banger. Look, I would say that that's a good thing. That's a good part of the internet. But also there have been some cursed ones, right, of these Ozpol remixes. There have been some really cursed ones. One that I found particularly condemned um, was this remix of a speech from independent senator Jackie Lambie. She was blasting Pauline Hanson's vaccine discrimination bill. Being held accountable for your own actions isn't called discrimination. It's called being, you wouldn't believe it, a goddamn bloody adult. And it was just, like, really fiery. Of course it was going to get remixed. Mm. And then an artist who I actually really like, Candy Moore, um, posted a really viral remix of this on TikTok. Being held accountable for your own actions isn't called discrimination. It's called being, you wouldn't believe it, a goddamn bloody adult. But then, unfortunately, I feel like what was really haunted to me was then Jackie Lambie then kind of got in on the joke and posted a video with her shoes off. Like, I was like, it's just, it's too much. (laughs) I'm like, politicians should not be engaging in popular culture like this. I feel like the thing that most people were commenting on that was, you know, a politician kicking her shoes off, dancing on a table in Parliament, presumably. But something that's not commented on enough is the fact that she's dancing in front of this painting of her dressed as what I think is Leia from Star Wars, and she's dancing in front of Jabba the Hutt, which is, I think, painted as Clive Palmer, 
absolutely deranged, not content that I wanted searing my eyeballs in 2021. I believe we've talked about that exactly enough, which is zero times. (laughs) (laughs) One thing I worry about with these kind of Ozpol remixes is that are politicians kind of giving speeches in the hope that they will be remixed, in the hope that it'll cut through to, you know, Gen Z on the internet, cut through to TikTok. That is cursed, I think, for sure. I should really hope not, because I feel like we already did see that strategy at play with Pokemon, go to the polls, and it was famously unsuccessful. So I really hope politicians are not just trying to pander to TikTok. We are going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to decode the worst moments on the internet that I would like to banish forever. Very dramatic. (laughs) Did you do theatre in high school? Um (laughs) (laughs) Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com ACAST. So, Michael, I think we're firmly on the dark side slash cursed territory of the internet now. We are We've indeed. crossed over. Um, so what is on your list for the worst of the internet from 2021? This is not a new thing at all. But brands are just continuing, continuing to be the absolute worst, doing the absolute most at being bad mm. um, on the internet. I'm talking specifically about... Um, the launch of Meta. So earlier this year, as we all know, Facebook rebranded to Meta. And on the day of the rebrand, of course, everything about that announcement and everything about the concept as a whole is cursed. But specifically what I found cursed was their tone of voice on Twitter, where they were trying to interact with like every other brand in this like extremely jovial way, when really it was like, every single brand doing it was being unbelievably annoying. (laughs) I think we should give the listeners a sense of what this kind of cursed brand voice is. I mean, what was Meta posting on the day? I'm going to read out to you some examples. So Heineken posted this thing being like, Meta serve, and it was like pixelated beer going to a glass. Um, And Meta replies, when's happy hour in the metaverse? Oh, God. Um, Yeah, oh, God, indeed. Skittles says, we are not changing our name. And then Meta says, good, that would have been weird right before Halloween. It's a combination of like really excruciatingly dad jokes, but told with zero irony and told by a brand and just with the knowledge that it would have had to have gone through like 90 different executives before it reached Twitter. Like, I'm like, I don't ever want to see brands talk this way and specifically not a brand that is single-handedly contributing to the surveillance state. It would be endearing if it was your mum and your uncle on Facebook having an Mm -hmm. incredibly naff back and forth, but then uh, they're 
corporations that are worth billions of dollars and ruining our lives. So it's just exactly all of that endearing nature that they're trying to aim for is completely stripped away, I would say. It's up in smoke. Um, <laughs> and it's particularly cursed that we've also seen so many comedians this year also skewer this in very, very funny ways. Yeah, I feel like this is probably the bright side of this dark side of the internet. My favourite version of this is comedian Patty Harrison, or I always think of her as Party Hardison because I think that's her Insta handle. Um, And she very famously co-opted brands' voices on Twitter and then was banned for it almost immediately. She's talked through how this all came about on Jimmy Kimmel. Say hello to Patty Harrison. And, you know, it started with all of these big cookie brands kind of jumping on the LGBTQI bandwagon, trying to show their support in the most naff of ways, as we've discussed. You didn't start this. I did not. It started with this tweet from Oreo Cookie. Uh, on February 25th, the House passed the Equality Act, which, you know, banned discrimination against people based on sexual orientation and gender identity. So Oreo Cookie tweeted this, trans people exist. But she and her brand of humour just (laughs) took it to such a dark and intense place immediately. Here's where you come in. Now, what did you do? Um, So I I changed because I have a verified Twitter account. There's been some other comedians who have done this. Uh, I made my my name Nilla Wafers by Nabisco. I was like, what's the most... um, like literally vanilla cookie, like the most like calm, peaceful, nothing cookie. You know, she changed her name to Nilla Wafers. She changed her photo. So a lot of people wouldn't really notice that it's not her on Twitter, right? And she starts <laughs> posting as these brands. So she just started shit posting and just going harder and harder. So you tweeted, hello, I am Sia, the singer, doing a social media takeover for Nilla Wafers today. There are only two genders. And you went farther. You said, if you are bisexual, we do not want your business. And then you issued a corporate apology. Our transphobia and biphobia today were unacceptable. We're deeply sorry. Sia, the singer, was running our account today, and the opinions expressed by her do not match the values of her brand. We are pansexual. And they didn't like this, or did they complain? Who complained? Um, I don't... uh, I think by people who loved Nilla Wafers complained. (laughs) She was apologising as the brand back to, you know, the LGBTQI community, her own community, you know, basically mocking the way in which brands interact with queer communities. One thing I loved about it is that it was one of those moments on the internet that just escalated and people were following along to see what would happen. Well, yeah, like it felt like event internet um if i can borrow a term from event tv it was like it almost felt like what i imagined in the 40s and 50s people would like all gather around the radio except here it was like we were all gathering around one single phone screen watching as patty harrison as nilla wafers <laughs> tweeted satirical transphobia <laughs> um i do feel like this particular brand of like mocking corporations for their surface level queer involvement Mm. was a particular shade of this like brand discourse this year we also had queer comedian grace kulenschmidt um post this instantly iconic and very funny video (laughs) where she kind of mocks like both influencers and the brands who use them for clout so the text on screen basically says i've struggled with my body and my sexuality my whole life and then nothing else and then more text that's why I'm partnering with Amazon Prime. <laughs> <laughs> 
that's the entire video while like a Mac DeMarco song plays underneath. <laughs> so <laughs> I think it's very encapsulative of how brands actually engage with identity politics and identity discourse. Mm. Okay, so brands on the internet are the worst, but comedians curing those brands better, basically. Better. Um, takes away some of the pain. What else was the worst in 2021 for you, Michael? Well, something else that was the worst simply because I could not stop holding space for this in my own mind. Um, (laughs) These were living in my mind rent-free, were a particular set of discourses that happened this year that all stemmed from big articles or profiles on the internet that came out quietly and then ballooned out into these like huge online debates where everyone was like kind of sharing their opinion and it was just Mm. became this like very big garbage fire of opinions that not everyone needed um and they all funnily enough have particularly snappy titles so the first one um which you may have heard of is bad art friend have we heard of this oh yeah I have heard of Bad Art Friend. I don't often engage with some of these big discourses. Like some of the bigger ones have completely passed me by. But Bad Art Friend, I was in lockdown in Sydney and Mm. (laughs) read it in like one go. It's like a (laughs) 15,000 word, I don't even know how long article. And I just was like, oh, I'll just look at it. And then two hours later, I was like, okay, I finished it. But, I mean, basically at its heart, it's just about the very public spat between these like two emerging slash emerged American writers who, mm. whose names are Dawn Dolan and Sonia Larson. But then, of course, there were all of these surrounding circumstances, like there was a kidney donation. There was one person using that donation as the basis for a story that mocked them. It was like, it was so many details that I was shocked. Friends from high school were messaging me being like, <laughs> Michael, you work in the media. Have you read this? I think the thing that I loved about this is that the discourse, you know, became so enormous. There were kind of counter articles and hot takes from around the world. And even I found myself shifting a little bit throughout the days Mm. and weeks as everyone started talking about it because I started, you know, I think I came into the full story um, morning meeting and was like, oh, so, you know, it's a piece about white people being overbearing in the arts. It's totally what that's about. Mm. And, you know, Dawn is in the wrong. And then a day or so later I saw someone post, I sense the discourse is shifting from Sonia to Dawn as everyone started thinking, <laughs> no, Dawn is in the right there because, you know, you can't take someone's life story and then create a whole story about it. And then I started actually shifting my mind the more pieces that I read. I was like, I, this is taking up too much of my life right now. <laughs> it's such like a funny microcosm of how a story's life cycle would generally work. Like a story generally goes over weeks where there are like new developments and then there are like new opinions blah blah blah. but this happened over the course of like 48 hours Mm. and people's opinions flipped like five times in the space of those two days it was ridiculous so i feel like bad art friend it wasn't even the first discourse of its kind to come out this year it also mirrored other discourses earlier in the year like cat person which is that very viral short story that came Mm. out a few years ago and then had another viral article this year which reflected on who owned their actual life story and when it was actually okay to draw from elements of real life for fiction. It was just these like really viral and quite intense discourses. Another really intense debate on the internet was around Couch Guy. Have you heard of Couch Guy before, Laura? I've not heard of Couch Guy. We are truly going into the trenches of internet discourse. Like, like I feel like I, my brain is breaking, saying all of these like random words, which mean absolutely nothing. Look, this is your job. This is your your job is to be across the internet. My job is to ask you about it. Couch guy was a very viral TikTok from this year, mm. where um, a girlfriend and a boyfriend. The boyfriend w- was in college. 
the girlfriend lived several cities away. They were doing long distance and the girlfriend came to surprise her boyfriend for a visit. And um, the entire reunion, the, the surprise reunion was filmed. And instantly everyone on, in, on the internet started zeroing in on the boyfriend's micro expressions and his gestures being like, he's not being faithful to you. He was pictured on the couch of his college room with like three other girls watching TV and people were like, he's a cheater, red flag, dump him, sis. <laughs> um, and it became this whole like psychoanalytical mission by TikTok to prove that the boyfriend was in the wrong here. He then went on a few months later to write this really um, reflective piece for Slate where he was like, this essentially ruined my life. Oh, no. <laughs> there were so many elements in the piece where he was like, my my agency was wrested away from me completely. Um, and it was because of this sudden and unexpected n- notoriety. I mean, you see this happen with people who have been cancelled, right? But, mm. you know, more commonly with people who have been cancelled for pretty egregious things, like the woman who posted about Africa and AIDS, got on the plane and then found herself internet famous overnight. And, you know, John Ronson has this really amazing podcast and book where he talks to those people who were cancelled about that impact that it has on its life. But... <sighs> If it's happening to people just because of a random photo and they haven't actually done anything wrong, mm. that seems like such a overreach into people's lives. People are just bored on the internet and kind of uh, destroying this guy's life, it sounds like. Exactly. We're talking about boredom. I feel like all of the discourse can be encapsulated into this one reductress headline um, that I saw this year. The headline goes, wow. This woman just spent 40 minutes investigating a Twitter beef, even though she has but one life on God's green earth. Um, (laughs) And that is what both of us are doing right now. (laughs) Maybe we should go to a park, Michael. Maybe we should get outside. Let's take a walk. (laughs) Let's touch grass. (laughs) Okay, I think that's it. That's the best and worst of the internet for 2021. Thank you so much for listening. And if you did like this special crossover bonus episode and you're listening to this on the Full Story feed, you should absolutely subscribe to Save for Later wherever you get your podcasts. It's the joy of my week every week listening to it. So put it on while you're making dinner. You'll learn things. You'll laugh. I promise. You can also leave us a review or two reviews, one for Full Story and one for Save for Later, but only if you love the show. This episode was produced by Miles Herbert and Krishma Luthria. Joe Coding handcrafted the music and Camilla Hannon did the sound design and mixing. Alex and I are going to be back yelling into your ears and into each other's ears come the new year. We do have one more 2021 wrap episode tomorrow on Full Story with Lenore Taylor and Gabrielle Jackson. And then we'll be playing you some of the best episodes from all of Guardian Australia's podcasts for a few weeks on the Full Story feed before returning for 2022. But... Now, goodbye and catch you next year. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.